Um, if you're here visiting with us for the first time, if you're new to First Church, my name is Ben James. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, we're glad to have uh, have you with us, worshiping with us this morning. Uh, Devin, thank you for highlighting some of the things that we got going on, not only in the church, because you know we always want you to be active and involved within the church, uh, but we want you active and involved in the community as well. Uh, the Bible calls us, Jesus calls us to serve. Uh, I, I love kind of the diversity of the things that we're talking about here in these next couple of weeks from the three areas uh, we see with the fostering possibilities, you know, the caring for the, the orphans and the widows and the displaced and those that are needy amongst us. I, I love the food pantry where it's also helping people who are having a hard time. That's what the church is all about. That's what being a part of this body is about. It's helping those that are in need. And then when we look at Celebrate Recovery, those that, that may be lost or have lost their way, something along the way, and they need to a good, uh, just Jesus-loving uh, person plugged into their life, coming alongside of them and just locking arms and saying, hey, let's do this thing together. Uh, I, I love uh, what, we, what, we, what we're seeing and what's happening. Uh, so that's what we want to do. These, these next couple weeks, we're going to uh, talk about saved people, serve people. Service in the kingdom of God is not an option. Thanks, Devin. It's about as solid as a point as, I, as I've got this morning. So, you know, I was like, save people, serve people. God wants us to serve. And I want us to, we're going to take a couple weeks, like we did with generosity, you know, because we're coming off this study of Exodus. And really the past month, month and a half of Exodus has really been with this theme of obedience to God of His presence moving into our midst, us responding to that, us being a part of what He's doing, and us following His commands and what He is asking us to do. And that's where we're going to continue today, is we're going to look in, in these next couple weeks at save people, serve people. The first portion of that is going to be looking at uh, the attitude of Jesus. We're going to be kind of looking at a foundational portion of service and that is to be humble. Next week, the plan is, is to take a more practical look at how the Bible instructs us that our service is to play out. But today, I want us to focus solely and completely on the attitude of Jesus Christ. How many of you in here believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Amen. Many of you believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life without sin? How many of you believe that we are called to be as much like Jesus as possible? Amen. So here's another question for you. Did Jesus serve others? Amen. Yes. So we should be too. But we have to make sure that we have the right attitude as we go about and go out to serve not only the people of this church, but serve the people in our community as well, because it needs to come from a place of humility needs to come from a place of selflessness. It needs to come from a place where we are considering others before we consider ourselves. Now, I want to ask you if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do. I hope you brought your Bibles with you. Turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to be reading from chapter 2. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. So if there's a little bit of a difference in translation of what you got in front of you, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you there uh, in the pew in front of you. Uh, so let's read Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be starting 
with verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So this passage, I mean, it is just packed full of some pretty awesome things. And we're going to talk about, I'm going to pull three things that we can see in order for us to serve the way that Jesus wants us to serve and with the attitude that he had. We see three things in here, but I kind of want to reinforce this, uh, this passage this morning. If you are asked, or if you want to find out what the foundational belief of Christianity is, this is one of the primary scriptures you need to go to. If you want to know the theology on which we're built as Christ followers, this is one of those primary passages. There's a lot of Christology in this. There's a lot of theology in this that we see the, the Trinity. We see this, this supported and this case made, and we see Christ coming as fully man, but yet fully God at the same time. But here's the thing. If you're anything like, well, a normal person, I don't know how many of that includes, to be honest. But theology of knowing something and knowing what you believe is only half of the story. It's only half of what we do. Because if you have theology without a practical outplaying of it, then you're missing it. If you just grow deeper in your understanding and knowledge of theology, but it doesn't impact your life, if your life isn't changed because of your theology, you're missing the point. You're just gaining knowledge. You're just absorbing it here, and it's not going into here to where it's going to result in becoming more like Christ. Let me put it to you this way. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Right? Anybody got the stretchy pants ready for Thursday? Anyhow, so I don't know if you all are aware of it or not, but there's this dish. Wait for it. There's this dish that's typically served during the holidays that your pastor's pretty fond of. It's called sweet potato casserole. And glory to God, there were three sweet potato dishes at the senior adult dinner yesterday. I had to bring a gym bag so I could go there after I was done. It was fantastic. But anyhow, let's say you decide that on Thanksgiving you're going to cook the world's greatest sweet potato casserole. You go to the store, I mean you go to like the whole food grass-fed sweet potatoes thing. 
You know, they're, they're completely GMO-free, antibiotic-free. They're free-ranging with the chickens, whatever that means. But you get, like, the best sweet potatoes that you can get. And you get all the best ingredients to go along with it. And you take it, and you set it on the counter, and all of your family members and your friends come over, and you've bragged, and you continue to brag, and you talk about the glory that's in this sweet potato casserole, because I'm feeling some glory right now just talking about it, all right? But you're talking about this sweet potato casserole, and you're building it up, and you're building it up, and then dinner time comes and the ingredients are still sitting there on the counter you've not combined them you've not done anything with them you've not placed them in the oven to get that crisp golden buttery goodness that rises to the top of the sweet potato casserole and as they go through line in the table there's no sweet potato casserole it's all still sitting there on the counter after all of this talk about the world's greatest sweet potato casserole the greatest thing that could ever happen to you it's still just going to wind up on your pantry shelves if you don't put it together can i say i think that sometimes we're guilty of that with our theology as well like we talk about this greatest message in the world we talk about this greatest savior we talk about this man who comes, who gives freedom to the captives, who sets free the oppressed, who redeems us, who delivers us, who forgives us, who can make a difference in our lives. But instead of putting that all together in a practical form, in a way of touching our community, we leave it inside the building in words and print. And the people wind up longing for this message, this, this Savior, this good news, this gospel that we talk about all the time, but yet we leave the ingredients on the counter. And don't get me wrong, I love theology. Theology is incredibly important, and you need to study theology. So hear me clearly on that. You need to study what you believe. You need to dig into your Bible. But it has to go into your heart and begin to play out in your life. Because you become, if it's just an informational flow coming in, then you become like the Dead Sea. What comes in grows stagnant because it doesn't have a source of going out. And what I think that we see in this passage is I think we see three things. Three things that Jesus did that we must do. His attitude, the way He approached service, the way that He lived His life here. And I want to really quickly talk about those three things. I think the first we find in, in verse 6 is that we need, in order to serve, we need to lay down our entitlement. Verse 6, Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Jesus laid down every single right that He had as God in order to serve you and I. He came fully God. But yet he didn't exploit the fact that at any moment, even on the cross, he could have called down 10,000 angels to set him free. He could have at any time decided this little experiment that was happening here, all of this that I'm going through, I'm done with it, I'm going back. Nor did he use it to say, you all need to be serving me. Because in the Gospels we find where he said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And we see that as this passage says that existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Do you have, have struggles sometimes with entitlement? If you're considering that, 
the answer is yes. We all feel like on some level, at some depth in us that I deserve this. This is my right. This is, I'm entitled to this. Think about the position that the Savior took. Because in John, the Word was from the beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's talking about Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says that what Reagan read earlier, that everything was made through Him, for Him. This is the Savior that we're talking about that is God. God incarnate. God as human coming to save us. And the stature that He takes, the position that He takes, is that He did not exploit all of the rights that He could have had as being God. I want to give you an example of that. John chapter 13, verses 3 through 4. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into His hands, that He had come from God, and that He was going back to God. So He got up from supper, laid aside His outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around Himself. Next, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around them. Think about this for a moment. The Savior of the world, God Himself, coming to save mankind from their sins, to redeem them, to set them free from the bondage and captivity of sin, finds himself sitting around a table with some of the biggest yahoos that you'll ever meet. If you don't believe me, read their stories. It's basically like if he would pick 12 of us. But he's sitting around and no one had washed feet, which was a big deal in this culture when you entered into a house. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had been, everything had been given to him, that he had provided him all of this, Jesus takes a towel, kneels down, stoops down, begins to serve his disciples, serve the people of the house by washing their feet. Can I just add this side note? Feet are nasty, y'all. Yeah, like I mean, we wear shoes and socks and stuff now. Side note, if you don't wear shoes and socks, we wear shoes and socks now. Feet are still nasty. But Jesus, this one who was at the beginning, who was God, was with God, who formed everything that for Him all things were made, by Him all things were made. This Creator, this Speaker of life, this Giver in creation, kneels down, and the very one who said, you know what, we need two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. That is what water is, right? Yes, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. We're going to put that together, and that's going to sustain life. The one who said, I need these two elements in these proportions, is now kneeling down to use it to wash feet. The very one who said, there needs to be feet on this creation. There needs to be feet on this person. There needs to be toes. There, I don't know what else was on him, but there needs to be this as I'm creating, as I'm forming this very one who said, I'm creating the water, I'm creating I'm creating the person, I'm creating the dirt, I'm creating the mud, I'm creating everything that could possibly be there. I'm now stooping down. And I'm taking a towel from this material that I spoke into existence, from these sources that I created, and I'm washing your feet. If you ever 
think that you're too good to do something, ask yourself, when was the last time that you created something that God didn't create first? Or that He hasn't given you the grace or the insight, the ingenuity into creating? If you ever get to the place that you think you're too good to do something, remember that Jesus Christ, who had, had every right and deserved everything, said, I'm setting those aside. I'm not going to use that and exploit that. I'm going to serve. So that's what we see in verse 6. I believe in verse 7, we see another thing, that if we want to serve, we need to become less, and others need to become more. We need to become less, others need to become more. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as man, he humbled himself. And I'm going to stop right there, but assuming the form as he emptied himself. Now listen, this doesn't mean, let me clear something else, this doesn't mean this emptying that he lost his deity. This just means that, going back to the connecting verse, he chose not to exploit it. He chose not to use it for his advantage. You see, if we'll go back to that same passage in John, just a little bit later on, out of chapter 13, verses 12 and 15, he said, When Jesus had washed their feet and put on His outer clothing, He reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. You see, Jesus became less so that we could be more. I want you to think about the trajectory your life was on before you met Jesus. Before you encountered His grace, His love, His mercy for eternity, what trajectory was your life on? And had it not been for Him willingly becoming less, then you and I would never become more than sinners. We would never become more than dead in our trespasses and our transgressions. We could have tried to do everything good that we could possibly do, but our goodness, no matter how good, will ever be enough to qualify us for the love and grace of God. We'll never do anything in and of ourselves that's going to qualify us for salvation, that's going to make us good enough. And a side note, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and, and you've been putting it off, you've been saying, well, I want to get some things in line first. I don't feel like I would be doing Him justice if, if I didn't get this taken care of and then come in. What do you think He died for? You're never going to be good enough. Because I've never been good enough. Just respond to Jesus because His blood, His sacrifice is powerful over all things. There is nothing too powerful. There's no sin too heinous. There is no iniquity too deep for His love. It will always overcome. will always overcome. And now in verse 8, the third thing this morning. In order to serve as we need to be obedient no matter what the cost. 
We need to be obedient no matter what the cost. That he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. Even to death on a cross. 1 John 3.16 He laid down his life for us. So what attitude did Christ have when He was serving? He humbled Himself. He gave up every right that He had. He didn't consider Himself entitled. He didn't cash in the God card. He didn't say, oh, I'm the Savior. I'm not going to do that. Jesus wasn't entitled. Jesus became less so that you and I could become more. Jesus became less so you and I could become more. And if we're going to serve from a biblical standpoint, we have to do the same thing. It can't be about us. It can't be about our entitlement. It can't be about what we think we deserve, what rights that we have. But we become less in order that we can serve others and they can become more. And then finally, How's your obedience this morning? How's your obedience? When God's asking you to do something? I mean, right? I mean, the church answer is, well, bless God, brother, yes. Whatever He wants. Well, how about you lay down that job and go and follow Him? How about you step away from everything that you've invested yourself into? What, what, what about if that means leaving leaving what you're comfortable with, leaving everything that you've worked for, leaving those things. What, what if it's something that makes you extremely uncomfortable? What if it's when you receive a text in some time in the week from the pastor asking you to do an offering or communion thought? We have to be willing to be obedient to serve this world, to serve our community, to serve those that He loves, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us, no matter what the ask is, no matter how much it might cost us. We must make sure that we're obedient to Him. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come back up this morning. Now, as we've stated I mean, there's, we're never going to tell you no from serving in the church. You want to volunteer, you want to serve, you want to get involved here, get plugged in in something that we've got going in this church. The answer is yes. But we want you to understand that it's what we're called to do is far bigger than what happens here in this building. Amen? What we're called to do is far bigger than what happens here in this building. We are called to serve our community. We are called to serve those around us. We are called to serve those hurting those who are lost, those who stand in need of a touch from Jesus Christ, we are called to serve them. And again, let me repeat myself, that's one of the things that I love about the three things that we're talking about over these next couple weeks. So as, as we get ready here in just a few minutes that we're going to be leaving this place, as you're going to be walking out those doors, there's tables out there, there's people that are already serving there that have a heart, not only to see people in our community be touched and transformed, but to see more people get involved and be the hands and feet of Jesus in a very practical way. Pray with me if you would. 
God, I just I, I thank you for this word. I thank you that you took the attitude of humility, of selflessness, and that you came and, and you uh, so willingly died for us. And, and you not only died for us, Father, but you served us. You gave us this blueprint, as, as John 13 says, that I've given you an example. You've provided us an example of, of everything that we're supposed to do. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts and our eyes to that today and challenge us at the very core of who we are as sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters, as children of God, I ask that you just challenge us. God, reveal places that you want us to go. Reveal things that you want us to do. Conversations you want us to have. Holy Spirit, I pray that you rise up within us and that we are sensitive to you and you will lead us to what you want us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.